You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Watching this documentary series on uh, Netflix about no. video games, high score. No, I, mean, I need to though. I've heard about it. I need it's to. It's like trending. It's in the top ten. Apparently, that's all. Well, yeah, man. I mean, you know, Netflix does that thing where like the trailer plays immediately, and it's like you don't even have to do that. I'm already in. I'm in at oh, the I, splash I, screen. I, I turn. I turn that. I turn that right off. Oh, why? <laughs> yeah, I turn that feature right off. Oh, really? I don't want to see the. Tra- I don't want it to start automatically playing video and trailers. I don't know how to turn like it off on Apple TV, and that's where I do most of my Netflix it. watching. I think if you go into your account like regular on your computer or something, mm-hmm. you could turn off the feature. And well, it would why would I want to do that? TV. I'm exposed yeah, to man. so many great trailers. Whether yeah, I watch it or not, I don't know. Otherwise. I don't know, man. I just, I, hey, personal choice. I decided <laughs> I don't like that. If, like, if not, why would I ever watch a show called Trinkets if it didn't just? <laughs> That's why, right. Why do you watch a show called Trinkets? Or the great because you baking know, that trailer. The trailer hey, caught me. Man. Joel, I uh, I taught Tess how to play marbles this week. Like, hey, man, actual but you're physical getting away marbles. from his. You're getting away yeah. from his story, though. We'll talk yeah. about our. I don't care about his story. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you asked him what he was new. Yeah, that's just because I do that every week. I don't care. <laughs> it's just, it's just niceties. <laughs> like, fuck that. Let's talk about marbles. <laughs> I do no, want to hear okay. about your marbles, though. Joel. Tell me about. Tell me about. I high hear sport. about your marbles. So, hey, I mean, it, <laughs> is um, does that is our friend of the show Jeremy Sneed? Is he behind that? No, this is not uh, his. He is still working on something video game related. Um, I want to say that's another like mini doc series as well. Uh, but the production values of this one really good. Uh, it's it's not. Don't go into it thinking it's going to be a complete history of video games. Um, it's huh. like a, it's like a news show uh, in the sense that they have like three stories, uh, mm. and and the stories they choose to tell are all kind of dependent on the access they have to old video and uh, assets that they can show. Uh-huh. They can't just like tell a story and then not have any footage for it. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of dictating the stories they're telling him. Some are uh, more interesting than others about the history of video games. But, hey, man, if you're into video games, if you're like me, Joe, I know you are, into the history of video games and grew up playing mm-hmm. it, Tess as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a little something for everybody. I, I We're about four of the six episodes in, and uh, I can recommend all but one of them. That's cool. Oh, uh, check it out. Ironically, is it ironic? I don't know. It's coincidentally, rather. It's like uh, I watched. I watched something very similar. Uh, I watched a documentary called Man vs. Snake. Um, okay. along, kind of in the same vein of King of Kong, that documentary about the Donkey Kong high score. Yeah, This one is done... In fact, I looked it up to see if it was made by the same people, and it isn't. But, um, but this one is about kind of a, a couple of guys that run in that same group um, with like, you know, Galaxy... Uh, I can't remember what the, the website's called. Yeah. Uh, but... The, you know, the official twin like score, Twin Galaxies, yeah. that's what it is. And they, uh, so it's about this guy who's had the high score on a game called Nibbler for like the past oh, 30, 40 years. You ever played Nibbler? You know that game? And Oh, yeah. Yeah, not not <laughs> a fan. What? Yeah. Oh, no, it's a great game. They've got it at uh, Free Play in Richardson if you go there. It's basically, you're a snake uh, and you're trying mm-hmm. not to eat your own tail. You can't it's eat your own a, tail. It's kind of a Pac-Man-like yeah. maze that you're going around and you eat these little dots. Except you're your own enemy. Yes. Oh, it's like snake. So it's like snake. Yeah. It's like yeah. snake. Yeah. The longer yeah. you, the more you eat, the longer you get, and then you have to like not. Hit the, the longer you get, the more you toot. So <laughs> let's the more you toot, the better you feel. Snakes for everyone. 
<laughs> uh, no, so so it turns out like this guy, his record was beat like just a couple years afterwards by some dude in Italy, but it was never officially recognized by Twin Galaxies. Oh, um, so like the the guy decides he's even though this dude isn't officially like um, verified as the new record holder, he's like, you know what? It's been a while. I'm gonna just prove it. I'm gonna prove that this is my record. Uh, meanwhile. There's like another guy, and he's kind of like the the bad boy of video gaming. Uh, it, it, the Billy Mitchell of this one? No, but they do bring Billy Mitchell into it. Really? But no, this is some other dude. And uh, he's like, you know what? I'll go up against you. Let's do it. Let's go to like, you know, one of these conventions. I think it was like MagCon or something like that, uh, or MagFest. And, uh, and they decide to go ahead and try to do this thing where they break the high score. And like they both fail. Like one of the guy's machines <laughs> freezes up. Oh, no. And like... In order, like, in order to break the record, they have to marathon the game. Like, they play yeah. for like I think it's like forty eight something out fifty two hours straight. What? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and like the dude that had the record and is like the the subject of this documentary, like he's not in the best shape anymore. If, if you could believe that, <laughs> a, a video gamer anymore. Uh, he's he's not in, well. He never was. Yeah. But he's he's not in the best shape, and so he kind of just gives up at some point. Like oh, the no. fatigue really sets in. And so while he's doing that, like the other guy ends up getting his own machine and breaking the record. Oh. Uh, and so this dude's like, no, but it's my record and da da da. So he kind of goes on this quest, like to try to break the record again and does it at home uh, with all his friends. And they're doing a live stream on Twitch and he ends up like failing hardcore at it again. Oh, like, no. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's a bit of a sad documentary. Tragedy. But, uh, but then we find out that the dude who broke his record did it on an unsanctioned machine. Oh, like it, just like Billy Mitchell. Yeah, it had been it had been tinkered with a little bit. Uh-huh. So that way he was able to break the record in a shorter amount of time because he had a faster processor uh-huh. on it. That yeah. And so they ended up disqualifying this guy. But the other dude's like, you know what? I'm still gonna try to break the record. And he finally does it. Christmas Day, his wife buys him the game and is like, here, no one's here. It's just me and you. I'm going to record you. <laughs> oh, cool. Go. And he ends up he ends up breaking the record. Nice. Uh, and it's all about like what's cool is the way that this one ends. And it, it I think it has a better ending. It sticks it a little bit better song where it talks about like the records are there to be broken. You're supposed to be inspiring people yeah. to try to be better than you. And like it starts going into this whole thing about like the history of Nibbler after he broke the record again, the history of the people that broke it after he did. Oh, uh, like and it kind of it celebrates each of them. It's it's a really good documentary. I mean, there's about the halfway point you start to feel really sad for this guy. You're like, oh, no. What is the point? <laughs> but, <laughs> but like I said, it, it sticks the landing and it's 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 worth watching. What's it called again? Uh, man versus snake. Man versus snake. I like that. Speaking yeah. of Billy Mitchell, I saw him on uh, Twitch the other night playing Donkey Kong. Did you? Yeah, I was just oh, scrolling God. through channels and like, what the fuck? That's fucking. That's Billy Mitchell in the back. Still, Mitchell. still rocking the same like mullet and the tie it's and everything, Billy. man. That was a uniform for that guy. I'm an all American hero. Oh man, okay. so, uh, people look up to me. I've got to sell my barbecue sauce. Um, <laughs> Does he have barbecue sauce? Yeah. Did you ever see in King of Kong? Mm-mm. He like he talks about how he goes to like yeah he's like some he's he's like the owner of some barbecue sauce empire in like West Virginia <laughs> or something, and uh, and it shows him going to like grocery stores and like going to the shelves and taking all of his bottles and putting them up on higher shelves in oh, front Jesus. of others. <laughs> I've forgotten that part. 
Oh yeah, and I'm like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Um, it sounds like the sausage king of Chicago, the way you describe. Yeah, Abe from he's the Abe barbecue from. king of South Carolina. Oh, oh, and I did do one other thing. Hold on one second. Let me, uh, <laughs> since we're talking about video games. Ooh, oh, I know exactly what you're going to grab because I was on your Facebook page earlier today and saw you posting your uh, thus completed Nintendo Lego Lego oh, Lego set. Yeah, there it is. Oh, wow. With the uh, proof that it actually works. I saw you playing yeah. it. And by playing it, I mean c- cranking a knob on the side of that fake <laughs> TV. Like a, but it's like awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? All, all it's missing is a dancing monkey. And there's there's that right there, the controller. The What's game. the game? It's it looks like Super Mario, Mario Brothers. But, but, I mean, but I mean, like it's a Lego as well? Oh yeah, because it just looks like a flat. It's an oh, oh. look at that. That's awesome. Oh, I thought it was an actual, uh, actual disc. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Can you, it even goes inside the fake? Oh, look at that. Wow. Can you not blowing it? If it doesn't turn on, blow on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they thought of everything. That's awesome, man. Oh. The, Legos really aren't for kids anymore, are they? Like that's just oh, there's there's market. plenty. I mean, as I'm sitting here showing you that one, there's. There's this one that belongs to my daughter. Oh yes, that, uh, you, that you and Jenna got familiar her. with it. Very familiar with she, it. Glad. She loves these oh. things. By the way, she's like always playing with them here You're at the so dinner table. So happy to see that man. Thanks for yeah, sharing so this. By the way, there's some for kids, but but you know, I, but that the, the Nintendo one. Well, what's funny? The way we got that, uh, we went over to Jay, friend of show Jay. Yeah. Um, went over to his place because I wanted to drop some stuff off for him. Uh, and he comes out, he comes out of the house and he's got this huge bag. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like I was dropping off a bunch of magic cards and like some board games from the scan stuff like that. Hmm. And I, he comes out with this big box. I'm like, what the hell is this? He's, and he just hands it to me and he's like, Hey, uh, happy birthday and Merry Christmas. Oh, and I'm like, what? And I open, I just look at the top of it and it's the, the Nintendo Lego wow. set. Oh, wow. That's a friend. I was like, what, was like, what? what are you talking about? <laughs> And he told Sarah. Sarah was like, "How'd you get this?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, they did some midnight release thing." Wow. I was like, "What? I didn't even know about this." Joe, I will never um, be that good a friend to you. I'm just telling you right yeah, now. You, don't you ever have expect been. What me are you talking about? Drop what you that have? kind of. You you have been. Listen, I know how much that thing costs, and uh, yeah, yeah, I love like you like a brother. Hey, but Jay, I, I suspect he got himself one too, and oh. I think he said he was uh, he was interested in modding it and putting like actual guts inside of it. <laughs> so okay, so he could yeah. This that, this is crazy now. Like that's crazy talk. <laughs> That's fucking meta upon meta. Like, we're now <laughs> to taking... build the Lego Nintendo to play Nintendo, <laughs> a Lego that has been built, mocked off of a video game system. That you're now going to take the original video game system and put it inside. My mind is blown. It's completely blown. Uh, what about you, Tess? Have you done anything interesting or just the same old stuff? Well, I mean, nothing like that, man. <laughs> Jesus, like, didn't you make? I thought you made ceviche. <laughs> Was that pasta? <laughs> well, so, so I invite he was Tess. Trying. A, a, he was trying a, a small group of us were playing. We were playing. Uh, we were playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but like a Star Wars version of it. Oh, cool! Yeah. And we had invited. I invited Tess to be a part of that. I was like, "Hey, Tess, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna come by? You want, you wanna play a little bit of it?" And he's like, "No, I gotta make ceviche." I was like, oh. I mean, shit. It's like, thank you, Joel. You understand. Well, listen, that's something that you you like have to plan for. Like, I noticed, yeah, like, I was, like, you bought the like, shit. You got about yeah. forty eight hours to make it. Yeah, and I was looking forward to it. It's like, man, I had it's like I had the fish marinating and everything. But I, did you but, make it? Yes, 
But still, but I do, I am mad that I did miss the Dungeons and Dragons because I've been telling him that I've wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons for months now. And he I gave, gave you one. your own dice. Yeah, he, he gave me my own dice, man. He was like, I was like, and I was all rolling it the day he was telling me. He's practicing. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get ready. I, was, I don't understand how it's played, but I just got to roll the dice. It's a commitment. I'm so apparently I'm so dedicated to trying to get tests to go like lo-fi with <laughs> with all these games and stuff. Like I'm teaching them how to play marbles, trying to yeah, get what is play going Dungeons on? and Dragons. Next so like we, we inherited like uh, some toys and stuff. Uh my uh so my wife's mother, my mother-in-law, I guess is the short way of putting it. <laughs> yes. Uh she got like some boxes of toys or something from a friend or mm. a customer or something. Mm-hmm. And some like there were some American girl dolls that we gave Harper, Ooh. but also in the box. It was like this big bag of marbles. And like we, we ended up giving a lot of this stuff away to Goodwill. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Uh, I'm going to keep these marbles yeah, because I remember I used to play marbles all the time as a kid. Were they in a so Crown them- Royal bag? <laughs> no, but I'm, exactly I need to get a Crown Royal home. bag. Yeah, you do. Back in 1943. Uh, I used to when I was a kid. I had them. Everybody did. <laughs> so I tell you Tess, I'm like, marbles? Tess, I got, these, I got these marbles, man. We should play some marbles. <laughs> And he's like, what is it, like jacks? And I'm like, hey, no, not really. <laughs> kind of. Well, what's funny about that is like I've told like three or four people about having these marbles, and their first reaction, all of them, is, so it's like jacks? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the sense that you sit on the floor, generally, and uh, yes. But here's my thing, Joel, is like people who've never heard of marbles are like, so it's like jacks? I'm like, you've heard of jacks. <laughs> you know jacks, but not marbles. Yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah, I've seen jacks. <laughs> but marbles, it's like. You've seen like, marbles. Marble? Joe, yeah, it's like marble madness. That's madness, yes. <laughs> it is crazy. No, it's Joe. Sparta. What marbles are you Sparta. <laughs> um, so, so we played. I showed yeah. Tess how to play. We, we played one game and yes. tied each other. Which told me like, oh, we need to have an odd number of marbles in the circle. Now, were you playing on carpet or? uh, Yeah, carpet. Yeah, you have to play on carpet. Yeah, you'll be chasing those marbles around. Oh my gosh, forever! And you're gonna you'll chip your marbles, the mashers, if you if you play on the floor. Yeah. Oh yeah, you don't want to chip the bar. You don't want to chip the matches, man. <laughs> no, like, man. We're getting serious with it. He They're... at first he just had a mug, but then a couple days later he came back with a whole bag for all the marbles. <laughs> yeah, man. For all the marbles. I was like, oh, it's for man. all the marbles. Tess was... serious now. Tess was it was it everything you dreamed it would be, Tess? You know what? It was everything I dreamed of and more. I'm <laughs> well, not wow. gonna lie to you, actually. Not hey, overselling man. it. I'm pretty sure he had a decent time playing it. I'm not saying no, that it was did. the best time he ever had, yeah. but we had some fun. Yeah, it wasn't the, I mean, it wasn't the best of times. But I mean, but it wasn't, wasn't the, the worst, worst of times. Either. Yeah, you know, <laughs> kind of in the middle. <laughs> That's the un- the unwritten verse in the book. A it tale, was the middle time. The tale of two marbles. <laughs> you know, but no. Well, I mean, yeah, I made ceviche this week. I learned how to play marbles. Well, yeah. But what what I've also been doing recently, actually, I started today, <laughs> is I started watching the uh the Watchmen series. Oh yeah. And it's been good, at least the first episode, until Joe told me, no, man, you got to stop and go back and watch this long-ass three-hour oh, movie. making you watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the director's cut. Yeah. No, with all unfortunately, that, that, was the only, that was the only one I could find. I tried to find yeah, him the theatrical of cut. Of course you did. It's like he got me, the, it's like he got me this one where the, like, they're splitting to like, the comic book, the Black yeah, Freighter. Tales from the Black Freighter. I mean, that's been pretty cool, but it's also been weird. And literally, the way that that <laughs> with ends. With Gerard Butler. Bro. The way that that what? ends is exact is exactly. Oh well, yeah, he's doing the voice over oh. over here. Like the way that ends is exactly how I felt about it. Where the kid reads it, and it's like he's like, man, 
this shit don't make any sense. <laughs> like, take this, take this back. And that was you. Me waste my damn time with man. <laughs> I was like, this three hour movie, it's so damn long. Like they should have <laughs> split it in two. Is what they should have did with the Watchmen. It's been good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but. Uh-huh. I can already tell that I'm going to like the show much better than the movie. Like, I'm never yeah. going to watch the movie again. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. The Tales from the Black Freighter stuff was never in the original movie. They oh, released okay. the movie, and then they released Tales from the Black Freighter as a motion comic, like a separate thing. And then mm-hmm. the ultimate cut adds some stuff in, but it also kind of puts the Tales from the Black Freighter in there, too. So that's, I mean... Tales from the Black Freighter is going to chew up a good like forty five minutes to what? an hour. Oh my god! So, yeah. So there's like a there's like an animated feature in the middle of this yeah. movie now. Yes. So, no. Yes. Fuck that. The- <laughs> but, that's, but that's if you've ever read if you've ever read the comic, that's how the comics read. Is that there's always like I think at the very end of the book, maybe at the very end or at the very beginning, they do a chapter of Tales from the Black Freighter and then go into the story in the comic. Hmm. And like what happens in Tales from the Black Freighter kind of echoes what's going on in the story of the actual book. Um, I, I I mean, have you ever read the book? Joel? No, no, I haven't. It's so good. It's one of my favorite. Even if it, even though it's Alan Moore, Alan Moore has some good stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. but, but he is the definition of like that sweaty toothed madman from Dead Poet Society. <laughs> Dead Poet Society, yeah. <laughs> He's crazy, balls ass crazy. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but but the uh, but Watchmen is just. I mean, it's one of my favorite books. Uh, and I th- I thought the movie does it justice. Well, that's the thing. The movie, like I liked it. I'm just like it's three and a half hours. Yeah, man. Jesus, yeah, I've been watching it all day. That's it, definitely, like, it does not. It does not move like Avengers Endgame. It doesn't move Bro, like Avengers yeah, at all. At all. It doesn't even. It doesn't even move like the first two Godfathers either. Yeah, but it is the Godfather as long though. But I mean, I like Korshak. I like him. Korshak. Like, Everybody Korshak. loves Korshak and the comedian. You mean Rorschach? Rorschach. Yes, that's what I meant to say. Rorschach. You know what I meant? I think Korshak was in Welcome Back, Connor. I think so, too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Hey, Mr. Conte. Well, your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> it's like, where did I, how did I know that name? Like, yeah, how did you know that? <laughs> I don't know. I think, I mean, you know what? I have seen a couple of episodes of well, uh, Mr. Car, yeah. like with my brother. My brothers are older, so. Well, I, I'll, you, you, you hit it on the head i i think the uh i like the movie i think the movie's a good adaptation of the book but i don't think that the movie is as strong a statement uh as what the tv show is i think the tv show is much more relevant and much more effective at what it's trying to say than what the movie is because the movie spent way too much time trying to be too true to the comic book so yep. and the comic was written in a whole other time, in a whole other generation, and oh. then they were trying to make all those uh, all those stories about like fascism uh, and and classism. They were trying to make it make sense now for an early two thousands audience with the movie, and now here we are in twenty twenty, and things have changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. And I think the TV show, the HBO show, nails it. It hits it right on the head. Got a lot of Emmy uh, nominations too, right? Being and it, it deserves critically. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's what it got like eleven. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. I'm excited. Guys. Yeah, dude. I think I think you're gonna like it. But uh, skip the director's cut of the feature film. Yeah. Um, speaking of DC yeah. Comics movies, before we get into oh, it, yeah. Um, did you guys up. watch any of that? Did you watch any of that DC Fandom last weekend? I hadn't seen any of it live. I haven't seen any of the trailers. I was kind of following. Like it was popping up on my Twitter feed uh, all weekend, I, I guess. I so I was yeah. getting a lot of the major announcements. You know, the, the new Wonder Woman trailer. And uh, everything the Suicide out. Squad. Yep. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, what are the highlights? And, 
the Batman. Oh, dude, yeah, the, the Batman, Batman trailer. trailer. Anybody? And I'll tell you, man, I would, when they first announced Robert Pattinson as Batman, yeah. my initial reaction was like, no, uh-uh, no. <laughs> and then as time went on, I was like, yeah, you know what? I think he might do pretty good. He might work. And this digger, trailer, right? this trailer, man, oh, I'm super excited. Yeah. I think he, he he makes a good Batman. I think good. what they're what they're going to do with this is going to be really. He's a great really... actor, man. I know he gets a lot of shit for Twilight, and uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. He, oh yeah, he knows what he's doing. S- super good. I mean, you got Tenet coming up, but yes. finally with the Batman, it looks like we're going to get a good Riddler story, which totally has me stoked. Oh, I he's love the, the villain Riddler. this time around, huh? Yeah, you know, yeah. We and, and we haven't had have we had? Oh yeah, with Jim's. Jim, I mean, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, that's but, right. But honestly, hey, and there man. was an there was an article I read about that recently that we've never had. A, like Batman Forever, there was no Riddler, there was no Two Face. It was just the Joker. Like everybody was trying to act like the Joker. Yep. They weren't actually those characters that yep. they were supposed to be. Uh, so no, I'm I'm super excited about this. The whole trailer is like riddles being left at crime scenes and like yeah. trying to figure out like what's going on. I was like, oh, this is gonna be this is the Batman movie I've wanted since The Dark Knight. So he's doing some actual crime detective again now. Yes, I mean, Instead of just yeah. God forbid aliens. the Dark Knight detective be a detective. <laughs> and he's being uh, ass in there too, man. Yeah, the shit out who's of the Riddler in there? I don't know yet. I have no idea. I, I didn't look it. Colin, up. Fer- Colin Farrell's in the, in the in the oh. trailer. Yeah, and he's yeah. got prosthetics, all kinds of prosthetics. Yeah, you couldn't tell. It's like I was yeah. like, "What the? F-? He looks completely different. You won't be able to tell. It's a split second that you see him." Huh? And then yeah, like, there have oh, been side by side comparisons. I don't know if you've seen them on Facebook, but people have posted the side by side. They're like, "Oh yeah, this guy, that's Colin Farrell." And I was like, "What? <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Why would you hire him to be in your movie and then cover them?" I never understood that. I think because he's a super actor, and yeah. well, you know, true. it's it's kind of like what what uh, what's his name does the guy who did uh, Eddie Murphy all the. The Christian, no, the Christian Bale movies. <laughs> Amy Adams, Christian Bale. Medea, Tyler Perry. No, not Tyler Perry. <laughs> Never mind. Wait, who? Never mind. I need to know now. He did the American Hustle. Oh, can uh, tell? David O. Russell, man, yeah. David I, O. Russell. I saw yeah, half he, of that movie on a plane and was like, I need to finish that movie when I land. No, you don't. And then I no, never did. No, you don't. No, no it's... It's went on living yeah, my life. I'm so underwhelmed by David O. Russell's movies. Like, I liked the... What was it? The Fighter? The Notebook or that whatever. He did. Oh, yeah, that's right. Christian Bale and Marky Wahlberg or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I thought that one was good. But then, like, he started doing, like, these ensemble excuse me, he started doing these ensemble pieces and they just, they were so underwhelming. Yeah. Silver um, Linings wow. Playbook is good. Oh yeah, I did like Silver Linings Playbook. That's probably but my favorite. That wasn't, that wasn't one of the movies that like, where he has like 50,000 people in it nope. and he's putting people in prosthetics. Um, no, yeah, Silver Linings Playbook's fantastic. Um, all right, so they had the Suicide Squad teaser trailer okay, yeah. where you went to the 8 million people that are in that movie. Um, yeah, I and saw it looks that. like it looks like James Gunn is going to do exactly what he did with Guardians of the Galaxy, the first Guardians, where he's going to take an obscure comic book property, obscure characters, and he's going to put them straight smack dab in the limelight. People nice. are going to know who these characters are. He's going to, I, I have no doubt he's going to knock it out of the park. Um, and then he's going to come back to the MCU and do the Guardians 3. Um, oh, Living the dream. Yeah, uh, they showed the trailer for the Snyder Cut. For Justice League, oh. if anybody was interested in well, that. I, so I haven't no. seen that movie yet, so I'm kind of interested because now what I'm hearing Ooh. is this one might actually be better than the, the yeah. Joss Whedon completed version, right? That's what they well, say every time. It's I know, I, know be, I fall for it every time, too. 
to uh, HBO Max is going to get it as soon as it gets released. Yes. And one of the yeah. stipulations of me getting to borrow HBO Max is that <laughs> when we talk about that movie, we have to have Luke Hawkins on. Let's do it, man. It. Let's do it. I would love to do that. Oh, yeah. No, it'd, it'd be fun. I don't, know, be fun. I don't know who that guy is, but he, I like I like how he negotiates. I think you've met Luke before. <laughs> he's yeah, great. I oh. think you've met him. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and that is all I could think of. This is the Editing Bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Tess. My name's Joe. <laughs> and I'm Joel. <laughs> we did it. We did. It threw us a curveball. We knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, man. You did it really good. Yeah, uh, this is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're good movies. Sometimes they're bad movies, no matter what the case. Every week we will watch a movie and then come back here and talk about it with each other. With you, our lovely Editing Bay listeners, we invite you to take part in the discussion on facebook.com slash editing bay or if you're on facebook find that search bar enter the editing bay find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes and click on it and that's where you could find us uh and uh, then let us know what you think about the movie of the week if you have ideas for movies for us to watch in the future go ahead and put your suggestions there we'll add them to the list uh this week um after a fantastic pick with Time Cop. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, one second. How did the criteria for this podcast change from like, oh, we, we, we do bad films and we make fun of them. Now I'm expected to have like a fucking banger every time? Look, man. No, uh, you, you know, go. if you're going to give hey, you it, you've got to be expected to take it. Thank you. Yeah, Truman Show. That was a good one. <laughs> I don't choose good movies or bad movies, but I do try to choose interesting movies, things that can you be uh, discussed. Do. I, I just yeah. give you hell. I give you hell because I, I think know. it's funny for people um tell us about your pick for this week i'll tell you about it so we've talked about this director a lot on this podcast i feel like he comes up a lot uh, especially when we're talking about uh movies that uh, may lose you in the beginning <laughs> and uh, you have to stick around for that challenge you uh whenever we're talking about need a director whose uh visuals uh are, are like uh, kind of coked up uh, you think of Baz Luhrmann, you think about just his frenetic directing and editing and sound uh -huh. design style. Um, he gets made fun of a lot, but then sometimes we're like, oh, you know, I don't know what, where you fall on Moulin Rouge, which we, we love it. We could do uh, on the podcast one day. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have a soft spot for it, even though it has some of the same problems that this film and uh, a lot of Baz Luhrmann films have. But uh, every every one of them, I'm like, start with, with his film, his first film, Strictly Ballroom. Yeah, which I love. Uh, and then, oh yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. The guy's a good filmmaker, but he, in most of them, I think even Gatsby does the same thing. I don't know if Australia does though. I'm not as familiar Never with Australia. Never saw that one. Yeah, but like he starts movies at this breakneck speed, almost like a Bollywood director. Like things yeah. are going fast. The film is sped up. It's at such a frantic pace, and it's almost like his visual style of Save the Cat. Because you'll go like 30 minutes, the first half hour, 40 minutes of the movie, where things are just like really fast. It's, it, oh, you feel like you're about to explode because you're feeling so much anxiety. And then suddenly, physically, in the movie, a the main character who we're supposed to be empathizing with and engaged with will take a moment and like take a breath or like splash water on his face or do something. And that's it's like Baz Luhrmann permission to now take a breath yes. because now we're going to get into the actual meat of the story yes. like and i appreciate that i like that i think it's very rare to find a director that has such a unique and defined style yeah um and Baz Luhrmann has it. And for the most part, I think Baz Luhrmann does it to great effect. Uh, I think Moulin Rouge is perfect. Like it is just like 
craziness. You've got the green fairy dancing and like yes. everybody's getting drunk and and it's not until like the next morning when everybody's hung over and and Christian finally like meets Satine where it's like mm-hmm. it calms down and we start yeah. to feel the story that's going on. It's a challenge and, I, and it's almost like if you've made it, it, it that was a test <laughs> and if you've made it 15 minutes into this movie you passed. Yes. Um, now my problem is now coming back to Romeo and Juliet, which I haven't seen since probably 1998. Yep, me too. Uh, coming back to it, even though it does that same thing, it's still a little much. Like it's a little too. Like little? it's not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I almost I walked out of this film. This was one of the few I, films I almost walked out of. Uh, for real? Yeah. I back saw back in '98 or now? No, so. no. When I saw it originally in '98, I did see it in theaters. And I was I was kind of like sitting there, I'm like, oh, I'm embarrassed to be here right now. There weren't a lot of people in the audience anyway. And I was like, oh, shit, is it going to be like this the entire time? Uh, and luckily, oh. as Joe said, it, it doesn't. It, it uh, pumps the brakes, uh, but not after it uh, catapults you at 120 miles an hour into this film. I mean, pumps the brakes, and at the perfect moment, too. Like, when he's in the bathroom and he, he washes his face and, like, kind of comes back and he's looking at the fish in the aquarium. Mm-hmm. One of the most engaging and endearing moments right? in a film, especially reading about how these two couldn't stand each other when they were working on oh, this no. movie. Who, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio and Claire Danes? The ironic thing is that Leonardo DiCaprio is solely responsible for Claire Danes being cast because originally oh. they had cast um, uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. What's her name? No, no, not Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, Although that'd be good. Black, Black Swan, uh, the professional. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. They had originally cast wow. Natalie Portman, but mm. she was 14 years old at the time. <laughs> a little bit of an age difference. Yeah. Huh? There was there was a big problem with how she looked physically up against DiCaprio, who was 21, and Paul Rudd, who was 26. Oh, good point. Like there, it was very uncomfortable. So oh. eventually, they ended up releasing Natalie Portman and went on the search for someone else. And they were looking at like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm. Uh, there were there were a couple other actresses, and then they brought Claire Danes in to read. And Claire Danes apparently was the only actress that like looked him right in the eyes, that looked Leo DiCaprio in the eyes when doing the audition hmm. and never like flirted with him to try to get like the part. And because oh. of that, he was like, I think she's the one. She, we need to go with her. And the like they started working on this movie together and didn't like each other because oh, no. apparently DiCaprio liked to play pranks on the set and, and Claire Danes thought that he was too much of a cut up and he thought she was too stuck up. Oh, and, and so interesting. When, when the cameras weren't filming, those two were far apart from each other. They're trailers, like, huh? Very cold with one another. Well, a testament so I think, then. I think it's a testament. Exactly. I was about to say a testament to their skill yeah. and their chemistry. Because if there is something that we're about this movie, and it should, if it's Romeo and Juliet, there should be chemistry between yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, and there most certainly is. Even in that moment when they're just eyeing each other from across an aquarium, yeah. it's yeah. palpable. It's oh, yeah. so good it's adorable um so yeah like joel said we're talking about 1996's william shakespeare's romeo and juliet mm-hmm. uh directed by baz Luhrmann. the budget on this movie was 14.5 million dollars what and uh ended up becoming the highest grossing shakespeare movie uh earning 151.8 million dollars huh. of course interesting uh, other movies from that's 1996 that's cool. 
Oh, did you? So you didn't pay yeah. to see it? No, no. <laughs> At all. Other movies from 1996, you had another Shakespearean show, uh, Hamlet, the Kenneth Branagh version. Oh, yes. Uh, Natalie Portman had appeared in Mars Attacks. Uh, you had <laughs> A Time to Kill. In fact, there was a shit ton of Grisham movies that came out in 96. You had The Juror, The Chamber, A Time to Kill. Oh, wow. Um, you had Twister, Fargo, Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood, yeah. The Rock, Jerry Maguire, Happy Gilmore, The Frighteners, Down Periscope, Space Jam, oh. uh, Executive Decision, Broken Arrow, Bottle Rocket, The Long Kiss Goodnight, The Cable Guy, Escape from L.A., Independence Day, Beavis and Butthead, Do America, <laughs> uh, Train Spotting, Tales from the Crypt, Bordello of Blood, yes. Jingle All the Way, Swingers, oh. The Birdcage, Waiting for Guffman, The English Patient, Evita, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame came wow. out that year. Wow. 96, man. What a year. Just to name a few, yeah, it was it was a pretty good year. I'm not uh, sure. It's, did you put Scream on that list too? Because that was also a '96 release. Was and, it a '96? And it was a '95 movie. No, looked it up. 1990. Uh, okay, maybe it was '95. But um, but yeah, also starring uh, Jamie Kennedy, which is a big year for him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> who uh, a big, a big year for Jamie Kennedy? We're talking, uh, well, I, I hope he enjoyed it while it lasted because he had uh, a job. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know why I kind of put him in the uh, Tom. Who's the Canadian? Uh, Freddie got Green. fingered. Tom, I put him in the Tom Green oh, category, Tom which Green. is like I'm not quite sure what we were all thinking. Why there was this infatuation with yes, Daddy? Would you like some sausage? And yeah. uh, Jamie Kennedy, I, I I was always bugged by him. Sometimes he makes me laugh, but uh-huh. uh, he was a bit much for me in Scream, and also in this film was just uh, and he's like one of the first <laughs> characters the you see. Yeah. Did it feel like the first, like watching him and like these other guys run around in the first like few minutes at the gas station? Yeah. It felt like a Danny Boyle movie. Yeah. Like it felt like a frantic cocaine fueled Danny Boyle film. And they're just all like screaming their lines. And yeah. It's, yeah. it's not nearly as effective. Uh, one of the things I think this film does well, if I can kind of jump to that part, is um, translating the, the Shakespearean words, the verbiage, uh, and making it somewhat mostly. Uh, palatable for for modern yeah. audiences. It was the you one know, of the first times I actually kind of understood what some of these lines meant in a way. You know, that... the, the studio wanted him to use New English, and and Baz Luhrmann stuck to his guns and insisted that they use the Shakespearean script. Well, yeah, I mean, why would you even like? Uh, you mean like completely rewrite the script with like a modern vernacular? Well, that would have been. Yeah. Here's the thing. That would have been okay. Like body. <laughs> That would have been okay simply because I did understand it more this time watching it as opposed to back in school. But there yeah, were still yeah. a bunch of times they were saying shit. I was like, oh, all right, bro. Yeah. I just, whatever. Like, like I, I said, like, I only got like 75% of it. I'm not going to try to claim here and uh, say I, I understood all, all of it. I was like, what are you I will, talking I will about? Admit, I will admit like many times throughout this movie, I just check out. Like mentally, <laughs> check out. I'm like, bro. Well, cool, the problem man. Is- I'll, I'll, I'll come back when Paul Rudd's back on the screen. <laughs> yes, yeah, so MVP Paul Rudd. We'll talk about him. But uh, like, oh, yeah. the problem with it is it, it all happens so fast. Like a lot of these lines, by the time I've like figured them out and realized, oh, I, I love the way he just said that. How poetic. But he's already yeah. said something else that I've missed. So that's why I'm right. yeah. missing a lot of well, it. It moves at a good – it's challenging. Part of the part of the problem, and to kind of counter what you said about how it was, you know, it was a nice use of the original text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was creative and a nice way to like use the original text, but put it kind of in a modern setting. Mm-hmm. But your problem is you've got a handful of actors that still don't know how to deliver it. Yes, uh, and that's where you get like Jamie Kennedy screaming it. Yes, 
or and, uh, instead of actually feeling it. Or that dude uh, who then, plays uh, Benvolio, who's just oh, kind Benvolio. of like a, like a, a meathead. The guy from the day after tomorrow. Yeah, Romeo, yeah. Where, where are you going? Romeo, Romeo, brother, One come side, sir. For maybe I can show him what other dares be dread. And blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. you're doing it better than he was. Just a meathead, like just yes. a total meathead. Yeah. And I get it. I get what Baz Luhrmann was going for. These are supposed to be meathead hormonal kids, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but you could still find decent actors. Even DiCaprio is not at the top of his game. No, I I'll remember you, him like, being better. Honestly, Claire Danes acting rings around him this is what i'm yes i was going to say if 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 jamie kennedy uh and the benvolio actor aren't aren't able to to grasp it she it just sounds natural like coming out of her lips and she gets it you can tell she understands what she's saying where to your point there were a few there where leo just kind of felt like oh these are the lines these are the words that i've memorized i kind of have an idea but the inflection's not right he's kind of just like delivering it monotone Mm -hmm. Even yeah. some of even some of DiCaprio's like blocking that he uses to kind of like accentuate his dialogue, mm-hmm. I get the feeling that he doesn't understand why he's doing it. He was just told to do it. And so he yeah. kind of put in artificial movements with the dialogue. And I could be off base with that, but I just feel like I feel like DiCaprio now, if he could revisit that role, mm-hmm. I think he'd probably turn in a way better yes. and deeper performance. Absolutely, I agree. But unfortunately, he was 21, and when you're 21, you don't know dick about dick, and uh, <laughs> and, hey, and that I mean that's about it. Um, you know, also, you know who was also good in this though, John Lewis. John yeah. He's another one that gets it too. I was about to say, and I'm about to go out on a limb because I didn't know how you guys felt. Yeah, John Lewis knocking it out of, of the. the park. Oh my God, my favorite, my favorite. He nails it, and I would also say uh, Harold Perrineau, who you may know as uh, Michael from Lost, uh, Walt's father. Yeah, I, I, I loved the take on the, the Mercutio, Mercutio character that he. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a drag queen, and this time watching it again, I was like, Oh, are they trying to insinuate that maybe he's bi and has a thing for Romeo? For and Romeo, maybe there's a bit of a yeah. love triangle thing going, unrequited love. Yes. Yeah, I, I totally got that this time around as well. I don't think Shakespeare um, intended that, but uh, I like the take on it. It's nice. It's nice to give it a kind of an original twist. Um, and we can't talk about someone who's delivering and getting and not talk about Pete Postlethwaite as, uh, Father, as Father Lawrence. Love him. Like the only person in this movie that is like delivering it in the, what is it, the iambic pentameter that, that Shakespeare actually wrote in. Mm-hmm. Like, He's delivering it properly in that yeah. meter. You could tell this guy is a Shakespearean trained yeah. actor. It was obvious. That th- these were the first time uh, he's read these words. He- I could see him playing that part uh, on stage if he hadn't already. Oh, yeah. Uh, the I think another there was another actor. The, the actress that played Juliet's mother has done like a crap ton oh, of yeah. Shakespeare. And unfortunately with her, I didn't feel it watching her in the role. I was like, huh. You know, it's I'm surprised because if you look at her resume, she's done all kinds of Shakespeare, but it still feels to me watching her like it's alien. Yeah. Um, well, it's probably a different take than what she's used to. So there are a couple, there's a few choices. Like first off, right off the bat, the movie opens up with this like newscaster. Yeah. And I think it's a great way to I set the world of this movie. Mm-hmm. The problem is she delivers the entire opening monologue of the play, like mm-hmm. two houses, both 
like indignity and fair Verona where we lay our scene. Ancient grudge break to new mutiny where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. Uh, like she goes through that whole thing. And then it does this whole like frantic, like breakneck, like, you know, shots from all over the city. How we see like both the Capulets and the Montagues like, are like an equal empire. It's like a trailer um, for the movie you're about to watch. They even do like credits. Like, you know, yeah. Brian Dennehy is Father Capulet. Um and that's when I remembered, because I totally forgot, when Paul Rudd shows up as Dave, I'm like, <laughs> what? Wait a minute. What? Paul Rudd's in the movie? I laughed every time he was on screen. Dude, he was so, like, what? talk about, like, understanding what he was supposed to be and, like, really just play. I have a feeling that there's the one scene I sent you the uh, the gif of this when we were messaging before we started recording where he's in his spaceman suit and he's dancing <laughs> yes. with at, eight, at the costume eight, party and he does the thing with the hands and she laughs. I'm almost convinced that was her breaking character the, and they kept it in the movie. That is a very genuine moment uh, that yeah, she, he, he pulled that laugh out of her and I laughed yeah. along with her at him. Oh, for sure. And then when like the fireworks are going off and he keeps looking back at her like <laughs> that, <laughs> that goofy laugh on his smile on his face. <laughs> oh, you're so great. So we go through that that whole thing with the news, and then we have the, all this like da 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 da, and yeah, like the so operatic music, cool. and then it cuts. It's like then we hear Pete Postlethwaite's voice deliver the same goddamn monologue mm-hmm. that we just heard the newscaster deliver, like uh-huh. in its entirety. And, oh my god! He's putting in con- it's, it's connecting the dots because we we start to do a little see and say with the uh, the words that Pete Postlethwaite is saying. Uh, versus the imagery we're seeing where we weren't before. But yeah, it almost came off like it didn't have enough confidence in its setup that the audience would kind of follow along and had to double down uh, and retell you this this intro again. If you were going to pick one, which one would you have gone with? The, the newscast. Yeah. Newscast. Yeah. yeah. Especially because they ended the movie that same yeah. way. Uh, and, cool. and they brought it right back. See, so. it, the thing is, like, there's the positive to Pete Postlethwaite's because he's got such a great voice. But mm-hmm. I feel like if you're going to use his, you take away the newscaster thing at the beginning and at the end. Yeah. yeah. You, you just use him. But, yeah, since you've used the newscast, keep the newscast. Keep Pete Postlethwaite until we find him later when yeah. he's, like, teaching his students about the plants and stuff. Um <laughs> the, the, when, the, when the Capulets and the Montagues meet up at the gas station and they have their weird, like, <laughs> double speed shootout. Yeah. Uh, yes. At one point, like, all these oil cans are getting shot. And I just, all I could think of was the movie The Jerk, <laughs> where it's like, he hates these cans. <laughs> have you ever seen that movie, Tess? No. <laughs> no the Steve jerk Martin original, man. Oh. Steve Martin. And he's, he's like, so when he's born, he's there's a mix up at the hospital. <laughs> and he gets taken home with a black family and oh. he grows up thinking that he's a black man. Oh, I was born a poor black boy. And so at one point his mother his mother had to talk with him <laughs> and explain <laughs> there was a mix up and she's he's not actually her, her natural son. <laughs> his reaction to it is so I'm going to stay this color? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you need to check it out. You need to check that movie out. Joe, I feel uh, like this movie kind of kicked off a uh, a trend uh, ever since it came out in 96 where it, we kind of got the green light to uh, remake old Shakespeare or, or just modernize any old um, 
the book that we may have read in uh, in high school yeah. in English class, uh-huh. right? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Joss Whedon even did one. He did uh, Much Ado About Nothing, right? It's a, it's a really the, good the adaptation. The cast of Firefly, basically. Yeah. Well, the cast of Firefly and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a- that's a, it's a good it's yeah. a good version, but no, you're right because same time that we got the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet, which also is a little bit of an update, not as updated as this movie is, mm-hmm. but you're right. Like we started seeing a lot more. Like, hey, we could probably we could make this a little bit more of a modern contemporary, like mm-hmm. you know, story. How do how do we do this? Um, there was uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the other one. Oh, the the um, the Ethan Hawke Hamlet. That came out not yes, long after. That's right. That was a contemporary one as well. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. So, and then you so got like right. Clueless, which are kind of like adaptations of uh, Jane Austen novels. Listen to our Clueless episode. But yeah, I mean, even um, she's uh, not. She's all that. Is it? She's all no. Ten things I hate about you. Yes, that's what. Ten things I hate about you. You know, there you go. There's the. It's a modern retelling of uh, of true. Uh, so, th- th- I mean, for years people have been doing it, but no, you're right. This one has given people like dramatic license mm-hmm. and em- emboldened people to take like the classic text and put it in modern settings. And and I think you know that's I think that's good. I think that's I don't think that the way that you need to experience Shakespeare is always supposed to be yeah. so literal. On like stage. The, the last time they did uh, Midsummer Night's Dream with. Uh, uh, Stanley Tucci and oh, that's uh, right. I, I, yeah, I can't remember. Oh, they also did. Uh, was it Othello? Not Othello. Um, yes, it was. They called it O. No, not not O. Um, no. Maybe it was Othello. Uh, yeah, there was it was an updated version. It had of- Denzel Washington and it had uh, Keanu Reeves. For some reason, I thought it was something else. I didn't think it was Othello. Um, but no, the, Shakespeare's so outdated with oh, the dialogue that you need to you need to jazz it up you need to make yeah. it more modern yep. you know it, it, i mean they even did that with shakespeare in love where they took mm-hmm. how these things were written and kind of made it a contemporary story in its own way but yeah no i i i agree I, for the most part i like the performances i i like a lot of performances in this movie i like a lot of the chances that baz lorman's taking visually mm-hmm. in telling the story mm-hmm. however this movie did not, for me, it does not hold up like I thought that it did. It it, it drags in a lot of places. And oh, yeah. that could be a, a product of me knowing the Romeo and Juliet story so intimately and kind of ready to get to it. But at the same time, like, I can appreciate the movie for what it's doing for, like, the maybe that maybe it won't happen at the end where Claire Danes is starting to stir and Leo DiCaprio is about to take in the poison. Yeah. And you, oh, yeah. for a split second, you're like, if he oh, just looks to the left, like if he could just yeah. look down. Yeah. Uh, that was a good scene. Psych out. Yeah, there was a couple of times there where they kind of, uh, um, what does Ryan Johnson like, like to say? <laughs> what does Ryan Johnson oh, oh, like uh, to uh, say? Subvert expectations. There. Oh, <laughs> Especially, yeah, they do the same thing uh, with the balcony scene. It's a nice little misdirect there where you're, you think uh, he's climbing. Because we all know the balcony scene. Oh, Romeo, where yeah, are yeah. there, Romeo? He's climbing up to her. And then, nope, it's the nurse behind the curtain, and she actually walks out the door behind him, and he's kind of hiding he's up against on the, the wall. wall. Yeah, I thought that was a nice, uh, a nice play, uh, and uh, yeah. a way to freshen it up without like trying to be too clever about it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I can't help but think like one of Claire Danes' big pieces of direction was keep your eyes wide, wider eyes. I need wider <laughs> eyes. Yeah. Because that poor girl is like constantly like just deer, like huge eyes, like. 
I feel I could feel the strain as she just tries to blink. <laughs> um, so the Mercutio bit mm. where they go to the Capulet party <laughs> and drop acid. You're, you're telling me you're telling me that Mercutio, who's a friend of Romeo's, Romeo's best friend. Best friend had a choreographed dance at the captain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was it was kind of a Bugs Bunny move, right? Where it's like, yeah, uh, I could I could picture backstage what's happened. You know, where's where's the uh, the cabaret dancer? He's not here yet. And then Mercutio runs out with the uh, the bananas on his head. There there is so much going on in that party scene that like, oh yeah, it, it both it both makes me laugh and also makes me scratch my head like so hard like so. It's coming hot on the heels of uh, Harold Perrineau uh, giving one of the greatest renditions of the Queen Mab monologue. Yeah, uh, about having dreams, Agreed. and it's so so powerful. It gets very cathartic they, there. They make this man deliver one of the most difficult monologues in Shakespearean history while wearing sparkly drag <laughs> <laughs> and heels and heels. Yeah. and I'm like, there's I'm like, dude, if you just I feel like we've robbed this character and this man of dignity by making yes. him deliver this stuff like this. And I get it. I get they're ready to go to the party, but at the same time, it's like, get, let the man wear some pants. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so there's there's that. And then there's the whole, like, they give they give Leonardo DiCaprio the X. He goes into the party. Uh, and we've got the, the choreographed dance. We've got mm-hmm. Tybalt, the John Leguizamo character, yeah. wearing like little devil horns. And his two buddies that look like David S. Pumpkins. Like, <laughs> pumpkins <laughs> I'm David S. Pumpkins. That shot, that shot opens up and there's the two guys dressed like skeletons. And I was just like, any <laughs> Oh, that's great. I didn't even think about that. Uh, guys, if you haven't seen the David S. Pumpkins skit from SNL, <laughs> Uh, starring they, Tom Hanks, check it out. Yeah, they and it leads to Romeo meeting Juliet mm-hmm. and like them having their little makeout in the elevator and stuff. And even though we've calmed down at that point, like these two just met at a party where he's high on X, <laughs> and they make out. And before he leaves, she's all like, "So, uh, if you want to get married, send me a message tomorrow." <laughs> like, never, whoa, you've never been there. You need, to, you need to pump the brakes a little bit here. Well, unfortunately, and I mean, ultimately, that's one of the things that about Romeo and Juliet, just in general. Yeah, and I'm just talking yeah. about the original text. No, that's just know. one of the things that frustrates me about the script is that everything moves too fast, and like the, it, all anybody has to do, it suffers from what the show Supernatural suffered from for like the first ten seasons. If people would just stop down and just talk to each other, <laughs> yes. We would avoid a lot of the dumb shit that happens. Oh, well, I love that in this version, like basically what happens, uh, what, what leads to the tragedy of the two teenagers dying is that uh, the USPS didn't arrive on time to deliver the telegram that, uh, <laughs> yeah, hey, damn, Juliet's going to be laying low. And I mean, like six feet low uh, for the next couple of days. But uh, don't worry. She's okay. Post haste dispatch. You can, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can thank uh, Joy for that. That's what, <laughs> what happens when you start taking out mail sorting machines. Yep. That's so funny, man. Uh, so, so just to touch on that though, so Pete Postlethwaite is like he comes up with this whole plan, which is done like again Danny Boyle style, where he's giving this monologue about what's going to happen, yeah. and we see it all playing out behind him on the green screen. So, like he talks about how like the mail, like they they sent the mail. Well, at some point he calls the mail company to make sure that they've delivered the letter. <laughs> like, I guess I'll write another he, one. 
he finds out that they never did. And so knowing this, knowing that she is now laying in a death-like state in, in the tomb mm-hmm. and knowing that Romeo didn't get his letters, like, why didn't Father Lawrence, like, go post up in the tomb yeah. with Juliet? Wait for her to so wake when up. when Romeo shows up, he could, he could be all like, so, bro, I know this doesn't look good. And I sent you some letters, and maybe you didn't get that shit. <laughs> this is not what you think. So sit down <laughs> for her to wake up. Okay? He's like, nope, I guess I'm going to put two stamps on it this time and see if it gets there. Right. Yeah. And he's just hanging out in his apartment. And again, doesn't he live above the church <laughs> he's anyway? Like, he's right there. He has to live close to it. This is your plot, dude. Close. Take some responsibility. He lives above the church. So when he hears the gunfire outside the church as DiCaprio shooting at helicopters and shit, yes. like you'd think he'd be like, huh, oh, oh, I should probably oh, go shit. downstairs. It's <laughs> oh, man, I need to tell him what's going on. <laughs> Yeah. Like, and that's he'd been great up until that point. Like this whole movie, he had been it's like, oh man, oh he had been a beacon of wisdom. He had been right. such a great character up until right. delivering fucking mail, getting getting a message to Romeo. <laughs> oh stupid. I don't know. Maybe in, in retrospect, he wasn't all that great. How about finding Romeo's buddy, like the buddy that walked up to the oh, church? Bro, bro and, and be then like he saw him. Be like, yo, yo, dog, hold on. <laughs> yo, yo, hey, wait, wait. So here's like, the I, got, I got a message. Tell Romeo this. Because when he went to Romeo, Romeo was even like, do you have any, you have word from the father? Tell me, <laughs> tell me, do you have a message from Father Lawrence? And he's like, no, bro, I don't. But Juliet's dead. Yes. Like, what the <laughs> And then you see him drop the mail too. Uh, like when he gets off of his porch. I know. It's like, oh, like, no. Just look down. Just, Just look, look down. down. He's oh he has terrible he has terrible like awareness instincts. Yes. Also, guys, there's a phone on everybody's wall. There's a phone <laughs> on everyone's wall. Why is he sending letters when Father Lawrence is the one that sent him to Mantua, uh, aka the outback of Australia for some reason? <laughs> so he sends him there. Yeah, yeah. I guess this movie was filmed in both Rio de Janeiro and Australia. Um, oh, really? But he sent him, and you would think that Father Lawrence is like going to pick up the phone and be like. Hey, uh, so here's the deal. We worked out this thing. Yeah. Like there are so many. That's the problem with setting this in modern setting. <laughs> yeah, is that ultimately there's going to be a plot hole with letting, like, yeah. saying like, "Hey, we'll let Romeo know," and him missing the message. It's like because uh, now no one's missing that that message. It's like I heard uh, they're they're trying to do a remake of Home Alone. I think it's going to be a Disney Plus series or made for TV movie. But yeah. that movie only worked in 1990 when there were no cell phones. Like nowadays, that movie is five minutes long. Like yeah, exactly. Kevin gets a text. <laughs> and, Kevin, uh, where are you? Somebody sends a we, Wi-Fi signal to the door to nine one one to the police. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the the wet bandits get away. Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah, they so, rob all the shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think what this movie needs to be the next time they remake it, it needs to just be like one of those. You know how they there was a trend where people were making movies that was like Facebook Messenger or like, you know, we would see people talking on their computer screens. I think this whole thing needs to just play out as a Twitter feed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Just hashtags. There's this whole long thing that Father Lawrence sends to Leonardo DiCaprio or to, to Romeo. And like Romeo's only response is like TLDR, LOL. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'll be in town tomorrow night. Looking forward to seeing you and Jay. <laughs> Hard eyes. 
Paradise. <laughs> PTYL. <laughs> that's great and then like the only response is like it's like Balthazar and it's the meme of like the puppet monkey that's like looking off to the side <laughs> yes uh, Pepe the Frog yeah. shows up at some point I'm sure Dude, if, there was, if there's one thing like other than the fact that the movie just it didn't hit me the way that it did this time around I didn't hate it mm. but I didn't enjoy the experience as much yeah. as I did because I saw this movie in the theater as well and when I got done seeing it in the theater I loved it in yeah, fact I too. think I saw it like I think I saw it twice in the theater wow um, and, and <laughs> really and, and really dug it but I knew like when you chose this I was like oh dude I don't know if this is going to play as well as it did <laughs> and it didn't it didn't. It was a little bit of a slog. It was a little bit of a, like, I caught myself every once in a while, like, hovering over the pause button yeah. to just stop and watch something else because oh, really? it, it's really hard. Well, it's really hard to watch a movie like this that you know what's about to happen, you know what's coming, mm-hmm. and we're watching it so that way we can kind of make notes and talk about specific. But, like, you already know everything that's going to happen in the movie. Sure. And usually... In, 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 when we watch certain, like most movies, it's it's still fun to watch it and kind of experience it. Sure, mm-hmm. but where when you know where this one's going, and it's like, oh, that's so depressing. I know. Oh, that's so rough. It's a tragedy, uh, but it is a tragedy. But yeah. the most tragic thing about this movie is the fact that it's responsible for the Cardigans' love fool, which <laughs> I would love me, love me, say anything. That you love me. I would give anything for someone to go back in time and slaughter the cardigans so oh, the song. Never I love gets... that song. Yeah, but there were <laughs> yeah, some interesting, were some interesting bit. music choices uh, in this film uh, because Dude, he... there's, there's a Radiohead song that's fantastic. Yeah, which one that I I can't back to that? Um, the it's, fake it's plastic the, trees. No, the, the talk show host, the uh, the Radiohead song that's playing when we catch up with Romeo for the first time and he's sitting on the beach writing in his oh, diary. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, they they yeah. reprise it later. That's right. Boom, 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 yep. boom. Like that tune is good. I forgot all about that song until we watched this movie. And I was like, oh, damn. I forgot this is a good song. Yeah, this and was, then like another song. And I'm like, shit, this is a good one too. <laughs> this was kind of Baz Luhrmann like experimenting, not just with like remixing movies and, and old uh, uh, plays and scripts, but uh, music as well. And uh, it was kind of like the precursor to uh, what he would do in Moulin Rouge, right? Moulin Rouge, yeah. Even the um, choir, even the choir was really good. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the the oh my it's god, it's what it sounds the like when doves cry. Uh-huh. Oh, it was amazing. So, um, as far as films based on Shakespearean properties, where would you mm. rank this? Like, what do you like better? Did or is this the top for you? Uh, I mean, no, I, I've put it very high, uh, but I, I think deep down, this is still like a, a, an experiment. Like you said, some of the some of the things. With modern technology, uh, it wouldn't allow the story to play out the way it is. There's, there's no way to update that. So I do like, uh, you know, set in in that time, uh, Shakespeare. For the, it, it allows you to kind of uh, let go of uh, uh, your, your disbelief there for a little bit because, sure. you know, the, the common criticism about Shakespeare is like, well, nobody talks like that. Whoever talked like that, and I don't think anybody ever did talk like that. It's poetry. <laughs> That's what made it special. Um, yes, there's so much in his words. I like the uh, Kenneth Branagh um, "Much Ado About Nothing," starring yeah. him and uh, Emma Thompson, and uh, who else is in that one? Keanu Reeves actually shows up in oh, that one it. too. Was, it wasn't Othello. It was "Much Ado About Nothing." It was yeah. Keanu Reeves, and I thought it was Denzel Washington was yes, in that. He is in that uh, one. Uh, yeah. Sean it's, Leonard, uh, speaking of uh, Dead Poet Society, I believe Sean was in Patrick that as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's that is a good one. 
Um, what about you? I don't know. You know, uh, it's going to sound stupid. I like the Mel Gibson Hamlet. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, I I think the the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet though, uh, with Robin Williams, like I really dig that one a lot. Uh, and it's not officially Shakespeare, but the uh, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead with oh, Gary Oldman. That is, I crazy. love that movie. That movie. It so may as good. well be Shakespeare. You know. Yeah. Um, what about you, Tess? Do you have a favorite Shakespearean film? Hmm. Off the top of my head, I'm like, you know, I'm gonna look at a list of random new. That's ones funny. I'm I'm doing that same thing too. Oh well, I guess if you're gonna call West Side Story, that's another Romeo and Juliet yeah. adaptation. Comes to think of it, that's that's a favorite of mine as well. well I guess warm probably, bodies. I guess probably ten things I hate about you. I do yeah. love. I do love that movie out of the ones I'm looking at. Yeah, ten things I hate about you. Did you guys see? Have you guys seen Warm Bodies? Oh no. well, yeah. You know I have. Yeah, we both love yeah, that movie. It's it's really good. You haven't seen that, Tess? No, I haven't seen so, Warm Bodies. Um. It's a retelling of the story of Romeo and Juliet, but instead, uh, Romeo is a zombie and Juliet's alive. And they even have like a whole like redo of the balcony scene. Yeah. Where like, yeah, where he visits her at the balcony. And like, so you're getting kind of like his internal dialogue and stuff too. But like the, the, the communication between him and the other zombies, you kind of find out that there is intelligence and he falls in love with this woman. And it's, it's such a good movie yeah. and really refreshing the way that it tells the story. Really? Uh, but that's, yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a good one. Um, the, uh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm looking the, at the list the, too. Yeah. I feel like the world that they built for this movie in trying so hard to make an updated, like a contemporary Verona, Italy, mm-hmm. I think shooting in Rio de Janeiro, like, I think that's a mistake. I think, like, it just, every time they would cut to shots of the city, it just seems so dirty. And, like, what, <laughs> what they, what they failed to do is set up, like, what it is that if you're going to modernize it and make the Capulets and Montagues, like, warring families, mm-hmm. what, what are they? Are they, like, media conglomerates? Like, what? Yeah, oil magnets. What, what are they? Like were they former partners of something, and then they ended up splitting? Yeah, like I feel like you there? need to, if you're going to contemporize this, you need to explain a it's little bit of what's going on. If you're, yeah, exactly. You you can't just dump us in the middle of something like that where these two are like they both have they have skyscrapers that are right across the street from each other. <laughs> I love that it, they're the Walgreens and CVS of uh, this, <laughs> yeah. this mythical land. It's like yeah, at least spread out. What are you doing? No, man. And me- meanwhile, like Captain Prince's helicopter is com- is between the two of them constantly. I like, love that. And we keep cutting back to that stupid ass helicopter, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that dumbass helicopter. And him just yelling at everybody. Hey, man, they paid a lot of money to rent that helicopter. They're gonna fucking get their money's worth out of it. They gotta show it off. It's gonna man. be it's in like- first act, second act, third act. Man, Jesus. it's a, it's a grisly image, but powerful at the end when Claire Danes. Shoots herself in the head, dude. Yeah, because yeah. I, I had we were watching it, Jen and I, and uh, she was like, "How did she do it again?" I was like, "Oh, I think she poisoned herself." I forgot that part. And then yeah. I was like, "No, yeah. she stabs herself." And right she about the time herself. I said that, yeah. you see her hand reaching for that gun, and like, "Oh, there's no stabbing Lord. in this movie." Yeah, it's and I, and I liked that. I liked how all the guns have like the names of the <laughs> see, sword. Stuff. I hated that. Back in I did too. <laughs> I hated that. That's one of the things I remembered about this. Movie. I was like, and it's fucking guns that are the that are the swords. What kind of bullshit is that? He just uh, named his AK forty seven his longbow. That's his longbow. That's my longbow. Give me my, I mean, give it, me my it, was, 
it was a nice it was here's the it was a nice gun that i was like yeah okay that's a flashy ass gun that it looks pretty cool but the fact that it was his sword i was mm-hmm. like oh i fucking hate i hate i think even uh tybalt's uh gun is a is, it's a rapier you see the the side of it oh the dagger he had yep. the dagger and it, the one that had like the the clear clip, you could see the bullets in the yes. handle. And what's, and like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and it, but it's just it's just so ridiculous because like everybody, whenever they're like, "Oh man, some shit's going down," let me get my sword, and they all just pull out their gun. Like even the dad when like uh even uh, the dad when he's in the uh, the limo or whatever with the yeah. mom. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's like, oh man, you know what? Give me my sword. Let me do it. And she's like, put that away. Whoa, whoa, don't draw now out on these yeah. people. It's like, what are you doing? It's, it's like that's just that whole thing, that whole thing just sounded so crazy, and that's what made that that first opening scene with them at yeah. the gas station even more ridiculous. Agreed. Like they're yeah. yelling and then pulling out guns, and they're talking about them being sword. <laughs> and and, bro, and this thing, even when it eventually when it when it finally kicks off because they do a bunch of talking and bullshit oh, yeah. for a, a lot while, of, lot of thumb then, biting. When it finally yeah. kicks off, it kicks off with John Leguizamo like almost like shooting a kid, basically, or acting like he's going to, and then putting his gun back in and still having the having the time to turn around and shoot at ben, at Benvolio and all. I'm like, bro, what's wrong with you? All at a gas station, dude. I dug that though. I dug John Leguizamo and his like flamenco style like gun yes. shooting and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that was ama- That was amazing. But it's just also still like the entire like the scene of everything else going on yeah. it's like he's amazing in just a ridiculous ass scene that was going on at that point jenna was like uh she was like this must have been shot in florida because uh everybody looks like white trash uh and there's yeah. both smoking <laughs> and a shooting occurring at this gas station yeah no but it's supposed to be <laughs> fair verona though that's supposed to be fair in verona fair yeah, See, here's the thing i thought for the longest time like the first time i saw this movie i thought they filmed like they were supposed to be on like venice beach that's what it looked like, like, right? No, but it was Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. In well, fact, yeah, we see that fucking statue of Jesus about yes, uh, two times. dozen times. Jesus. Oh, they, uh, apparently, they they a hurricane hit their set while they were filming this movie. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, Is that why it looked you, like that? You see that when in the scene where Mercutio dies, you see like the wind really starting to pick up in the yeah. rain. That's them filming at the onset of a hurricane. Like, that room was like, this is too good. Oh, like he does the whole like, plague on both your houses, and then like everything starts to pick up and look like wow. like. And so they did that on purpose. They they picked up those shots while the storm. They were like they hurried up and tried to get those shots. Yes. Then they had to shut down filming for a couple of days because some of the sets got ruined. Oh no! And they had to come back for shots. Oh, that's great it, because I I thought that was planned from the beginning. It's so poetic. And uh, and say what you will about Baz Luhrmann, like his his imagery. Yes, it's 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 maybe a little obvious. Maybe beat you over the head. Uh, with its obviousness, uh, the, the uh-huh. symbolism and the metaphor. Uh, but it's, damn, if it isn't beautiful. Subtle. No, subtlety <laughs> is not his game. But uh, he uh, he knows how to how to pull those strings, man. And I gotta admit, even kind of watching it, uh, you know, with with one eye on it again, um, I, I got a little got a little choked up at the end. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I think I think it still has that it kind of power. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, when they were performing that, when DiCaprio was performing his monologue mm. right before he poisons himself, uh, there were a couple takes where Claire Danes would start crying listening to him. Wow. Oh, wow. And so they would have to like read, after reshoot. She actually got up at one point and like hit him and, <laughs> and like went back to it. But, uh, but uh, you know, it's good. It's good work. And the thing is, unlike a lot of movies, 
you know, you do see an actor kind of come into his own. DiCaprio mm-hmm. is not the strongest at the beginning. And it's I not. don't think this movie was filmed in order, but I do think that they saved the last bit probably for the end because it's his best bit of acting in this movie I agree. is when he's sitting in, in the tomb and about to off himself. It's powerful. And again, it comes back to they didn't get everything right working on this movie. But what they did get right was what you need to get right in a Romeo and Juliet story. Yes. And that's that's your 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 casting, the the chemistry between those two, even knowing like and, and I guess even more so, knowing that they didn't get along on the set of this movie yeah. and the chemistry they had, like Could've way to me. go, Beth. Good job. Uh DiCaprio apparently believed in this project so hard that he uh he paid his he he paid his own money to go to Australia to shoot a, a spec trailer to get investors so 20th Century Fox would greenlight wow. this movie. even at that young uh, age, he already had a lot of pull. Yeah. I was trying to see, like, what he did before this. Like, it's he really did just like Gilbert, Gilbert Grape. Yeah. And, like, Marvin's Room, which came out the same year as this. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, this was him just starting to hit. Uh, it's crazy but, that but he, he would have that much pull yeah. even then. Yeah I, like, yeah, I was like, was he a He wasn't a big, big star at that time? Like, not huge now. He was known, but he wasn't a huge star. Yeah, it was a few no, years this, away from it, Titanic. This uh. led to Titanic, and it was funny reading reading up on this movie, researching. Uh, apparently, like he would hang out with uh, with Paul Rudd on the set, and he was talking to Paul Rudd about this next project he was auditioning for. And I guess Paul Rudd's family or father is a historian, hmm. and it's like into the Titanic legend. Oh. And so when DiCaprio was telling him about this. I, I guess Paul Rudd turned to him and said, you need to do this movie. Whatever you do, wow. you need to do this mm-hmm. movie. And, uh, and yeah, that's, I guess, what made DiCaprio kind of double down on his audition for it. Yeah. Paul and Claire Rudd. Davis was supposed to play the Rose part. Claire. Oh. Wait, who was? Based, based on their chemistry in this movie, uh, Claire Danes was asked to play Rose in Titanic. And she turned down the role. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, that would have been too weird seeing them uh, paired up again. But, but yeah. she could have done that. I, I love her, man. Oh, yeah. She sure could have done it. But then we would have never had Kate Winslet. Yep. Eh, she would have popped up in something else. She's she's a talent. I, yeah, but I feel like Titanic's the, it, Titanic's a career maker. Yeah, it was. Well, it absolutely yeah, was. It was. Oh, also, uh, The Basketball Diaries, 1995. That's what oh, pre- yeah. predated it. He was 21 in this, and then he did Titanic years after this? Like a year or two years after. Yeah, 97. He looks 13 in like yeah. Titanic. He does. Yeah. He looks 13 in this. So I know, exactly. Oh, my God. He looks so young in all his movies. What, what else do you guys have on this one? Let's see. Uh, oh, oh, I got one thing. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, since it goes kind of off of how we were talking how shitty Verona looked. So, you know, basically we're like the Montague boys hang out that, like, abandoned like the, the it, abandoned theater uh, yeah the abandoned theater they all they all chill out so you know that's where like one of the most important scenes happen in the movie where eventually they have the whole fall they have the whole showdown between tibble between the montague boys and the cap and the capitalists where yeah. it ends with basically Tybalt and uh mercutio get into a fight mm-hmm. uh to yeah. like, well actually romeo but then mercutio steps the play, in the yeah. play off of your house mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. All, all that that whole scene was weird though still because it's like it starts off you know with uh, with eventually like Tybalt coming out of nowhere and then them getting into this them get him and romeo getting into this but romeo decided no 
I'm going to walk away from this. And then him beating the shit out of Romeo anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then Tibble feeling like, all right, yeah, no, fuck this. I got to stop it now. Finally, that's my boy. And then hopping in to stop everything. Right. But then getting stabbed and being like, Oh, you know what? Fuck both of y'all for this. Yep. Like at the end of the day, it's like, Bro, why did you even hop in for this? Because I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you were mad because he didn't want to fight the guy, and then yeah. you stepped in and you escalated it by pulling out your sword and mm-hmm. and shooting off shots. Well, and in the original, the original script plays a bit differently, yeah, than oh. what what's going on in the movie. But for the most part, the basic gist is there. It's that Romeo doesn't want to fight Tybalt mm-hmm. because he's now his kinsman, but he can't tell anybody that he, you know, he's married Juliet in secret. So he just says like, Hey, do what you will get your satisfaction. I'm not going to fight you. I have no quarrel with you anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not good enough for Tybalt. So he starts beating him defenseless. uh, And that's what gets Mercutio heated up. And he's like, look, man, you want to fight someone, fight me. I'll fight you. Uh, And that leads to a big like sword fight and stuff. And then, um, is correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they did a little bit of Hamlet in in that Joel, where Mer, uh, Mercutio or Tybalt's blade was poisoned, and so that's why. Yes, like, I think that's why in the text he says it's but a scratch, just a scratch, and that's right. Uh, and like, but he starts to feel the poison. He's like, ha! Huh, if you call for me tomorrow, I'll I'll, I'll be a grave, grave man. man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know this. Part. That's right. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, it, I might be wrong. I don't know. I no, think you're absolutely right. Happened. That's what it is. That's why. You... And, and see, that was see, that was like I I do remember that line like from the text of you know it's it's, it's but a scratch, it's but a scratch, and it's like they he delivers that and then goes into being mad at them, a playing on both your houses. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, there's a lot happening in the scene right now. This mm-hmm. it's like and 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 the whole time. Tybalt and his boys are standing there watching all of this, and they go from being mad as shit about everything, and it's like, bro, what'd you guys expect? You were shooting guns at them this whole movie, <laughs> exactly. and then now a guy's dying, and now think, you regret it at this I point? Think, I think what he regrets is the fact that, at least Tybalt, I think it's the fact that like he never had a quarrel with, with uh, Mercutio. It's, it was with Romeo. He, he wanted to, and so there's probably a play on his conscience there. But then, just to play it, to to build off of what you're saying, they, they go through this whole thing, make a huge deal of Romeo not wanting to fight Tybalt. Yep. To then after Mercutio dying, so Romeo hunts him down and yes. rams his car into him. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're in cars. Shoots him in, public, <laughs> shoots him in the middle of the city in public, and cars are just driving by. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Well, I mean, the whole, uh, you know, these are supposed to be teenagers. There's hormones uh, a-pumping and uh, a lot of testosterone and, uh, yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of... Uh, insanity in these these yeah. characters and their motivations well, and that's definitely the uh the theme of the of, yeah. the, of the script of romeo and juliet the fact that hot. it's, a, it's yeah, hot they're... summer in fact benvolio has a whole monologue about it mm-hmm. where he talks about please don't let the capulets show up it's hot and temper tempers are rising you know we don't need that kind of thing here um but then that's also good. like the uh touching on the the hormones uh, which Father Lawrence touches on with Romeo as he talks about Rosalind. Yeah. And like, when I was oh, like, what? Who's yeah. Rosalind? I've met somebody else now. And yeah. I love Father Lawrence's whole... And I think it's the the way Pete Postlethwaite delivers it. He's like, uh, you know, instead of instead of thinking with your eyes, yes. you're always thinking with your eyes. You know, like, yeah, yeah. it's really funny. And the fact that he recognizes like that, 
Romeo's like his passions just shift with the wind. Of course. It's, it's played very well. I mean, you've you've got people in the, in the right spots in this in this movie. Uh, Absolutely, you know, actors who are very, very competently handling uh, most of the heavy lifting when you know a lot of your stars can't. Um, <laughs> so, would you recommend this movie? I think I would, man. Yeah, um, it's I, I. I love the concept. I love the idea of taking Shakespearean plays and and modernizing them. As we mentioned, it doesn't always work out. It's not always a one for one. It's kind of comical that, uh, yeah, Brian Denny he has a shotgun that he calls his long longsword, <laughs> but uh, it's like engraved on the side. Um, but I I love how creative they were. Like from the TV newscasters to. Um, uh, the, the way they were uh, playing with your expectations, like with the balcony scene. Um, uh-huh. I, I love the modernization of it. And I, I'm surprised at how well that, that verbiage works coming out yeah. of uh, uh, contemporary actors and in that setting. Uh, it was uh-huh. it was an experiment, uh, but I think it was 90% successful. Okay. Uh, I would recommend this movie, Uh-oh. but with a few caveats. Uh, I think that if you're a Baz Luhrmann fan, I think this is required viewing uh, to be able to see where he's come from as a filmmaker uh, because Romeo and Juliet is kind of like strictly ballroom was his first major feature, but this is kind of his first foray into American cinema. Yeah. Uh, and I think that his, his influence alone, like his creativity was so unique at the time and still now, but very unique at the time. There was nobody that was making movies like Baz Luhrmann was back in 1996. And so I think just based on that, it's important to see this movie. Uh, I think seeing seeing the work like where Leonardo DiCaprio came from yeah. and now where he, where he is and to see that like it wasn't a fluke that Leo DiCaprio has become one of the biggest stars that we know. Oh, no. like, the kid's talented and he struggled, even though he struggled through the Shakespearean dialogue. <laughs> He ultimately achieves that chemistry with Claire Danes and knowing the story behind the scenes. I think that's a, it's a huge achievement. Uh, so based on that, based on like the use of music and, mm-hmm. and the score in this movie, I think it's a competent film. It drags at points. It doesn't have the best performances a hundred percent across the board, True. but it has enough going for it that makes it worth watching. Agreed. Well, all right. Just- well, I mean, given all of that, and all of those caveats, no, I still wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, yeah, you you don't have to waste your time with this. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to disrespect my boy Leo with telling people to watch this movie. But I will say that if you happen to see this movie, if it's on, watch it just because of the fact that it's one of those movies that, yeah, have you seen this? Like, even if you hate it, or even if you love it, or even if you never want to watch it again. Just yeah, I've seen this at least. So I mean, yeah, if you see it, see it. But I wouldn't tell you to go watch. That's <laughs> <laughs> an interesting non-recommendation. So it's a, it's uh, a notch on your headboard, but it's more like the grenade that you jump on, not really the yeah. girl you've been trying to pick up all night. That's, yes, hey, that's a great way to. Thank you. It. <laughs> I'm almost like, uh, I'm right. just like Shakespeare. That was poetry. This movie. What did this movie do right? Uh, I'll start, man, because, uh, yeah, I think it's got a pretty good cast. I think, um, I mean, that's kind of a cop-out, uh, but but it's a really good cast. We haven't even talked about some of the little side characters. We'll get into it when we when we talk about recast, but uh, I'll just leave it there. Okay, Tess? 
Well, yeah, I mean, going off of the cast, but specifically, I would say John Luguizamo. Mm. He was my favorite part of this entire movie. Oh. Like all the scenes that he was in up until the last scene, basically. With, with well, him, the, him dying scene that was okay, but the scene with Mercutio where he killed Mercut, where he killed Mercutio, I didn't exactly like how that played out because the gut, how his, <laughs> how his henchman pulled the gun out, yeah, for- and then pulled all the bullets, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that right there is just like okay, really. It's a bit of a stretch. You had to, you had to throw that in there right now. Man, if John like was trim in this movie, he was. Yeah, was. He yeah. was. He looked good. He did. He did his thing. Um, but also besides that, the choir. I got to say that again. <laughs> the choir in the middle. I really dug those songs. Interesting. When those came out, there, I was like, oh my god. I replayed them a couple times because the little boy who sang it. I I didn't look up who that was, but I was like, man, he sounds like he actually is an r&b singer or something like that yeah yeah uh i would say that what this movie did right uh i think was putting it on the backs of of leonardo dicaprio and claire dane so i guess that falls under casting but like you you took two two actors that like you know were were going to bring in the 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 teen boys and the teen girls uh you know they 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 were competent they they handled the the material maybe not all of it with confidence and success, but for the most, they, they achieved the goal, but I'm t- like, this is one of those movies that not only are your two stars strong where they should be, but you've also got some strong backup with some of the, mm-hmm. the side players, Paul Rudd killing it every <laughs> yes. moment in this movie. And you don't generally think like Paul Rudd, he'd do good with Shakespeare, but he does. He, he does. does so good in this role. Like he, he could have at any point just been smarmy and creepy, but he wasn't. He was still engaging. He was sweet. He just wasn't the right guy. Uh, and and it's yeah. funny to see him play that role. Uh, John Leguizamo mm-hmm. knocking it out of the park in, in his role as Tybalt. Uh, even like Brian Dennehy and Paul Sorvino yes. as Elder Capulet Montague doing fantastic work in this movie. Um, I love I feel how they like, played him as a, as a drunk, like a, yeah. an alcoholic father. That was a nice uh, spin for him. Like a lot of actors who weren't used to Shakespearean uh, work got a little on the job training working with a lot of these more seasoned performers. Uh, and I, and so I guess, yeah, long story short, too late. I would come down on, on the cast. The cast on this is probably the best thing it has All going right. for it. Well, let's talk about yeah. that cast. Oh, no, we got to know what we did wrong, right? Yeah, what did the movie do wrong? Uh, for me, it was uh, Baz Luhrmann's uh, Worst Instincts, which are uh, is, is crazy, just cartoonish. Uh, style of, of editing. Uh, it's a little too hyper real. Uh, and I could do without the, the sound effects. You know, there's a lot of times where he's using like Looney Tunes cartoon like sound effects to accentuate yeah. a, a whirl or uh, somebody's being laced up in a corset. You know, her mother, uh, Juliet's mother, and it's like <laughs> everything happens well, in we, double time. When we first entered, like when we first meet the Capulet boys, and it does this like the, the quick zoom close-up on John Leguizamo's face, mm-hmm. is there the sound of a lion roaring? Yes, <laughs> yes. yes, there is. And then he shows the shoes and everything, too. Mm-hmm. And then, like, like oh, down yeah. spurs, even though he doesn't have spurs, spurs on his boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's representative. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, what, did, what did the movie do wrong, Tess? Okay, well, Joel, I know you love this part of it, but actually for me, I hated the Shakespearean speech. <laughs> the fact that he decided to keep it in the original text. That ruined the entire movie. Because in my opinion, 
had they actually all right yeah as ridiculous as everything looked just put it in actual modern english at the time mm-hmm. it would have been an okay movie it it would have been it would have been an okay movie or at least better in my opinion it's just it, oh my god trying to hear it like trying to listen to it <laughs> oh is is very difficult like uh-huh. it, and it's two it's two hours that you're trying to follow everything that's going on but as you're seeing this stuff it's like this is ridiculous as shit <laughs> but oh my god it's not as ridiculous as what they're saying <laughs> it's what it felt like at times so yeah but then it's just another movie then why make it like the whole reason to make it was to take his words and see if it translated into 1996 no but that's the thing the point of it was to, no it was the point of it was to tell the story of romeo and juliet yeah. and you could have done that in modern day language it's the same way like how with cool, uh, cool as ice he could have just oh, it, it's like he could have just been right. in town you know i brought it back it's like he could have just been in the town and you know did another footloose but he made it foot loose along with some random like X-Files stuff that was going on. <laughs> it's, it's like just too much. And that's what Baz Luhrmann did. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, I guess what I I felt like this movie did wrong, I think is uh, I, I feel like there's some moments that drag, like moments that would have dragged anyway if it was just the regular straight Shakespearean <laughs> mm-hmm. version. I think that there, it's just, I think that's inherent in like the flaws of the script itself. Uh, and unless you really dig in and make some changes, you're going to run into those pitfalls. And I think this movie, I think Baz Luhrmann, uh, failed to avoid the pitfalls in the, the Romeo and Juliet script. So if we were going to remake, uh, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet today, how would we do that? (laughs) It looks like I've got 12 here. We need to run through this. I have like oh, wow. 14. Yeah, I've got like 14 people. I've got 11, you guys. All right, Joe. Well, you have more, so uh, why don't you start with your bottom, and we'll just chime in when we have one. Okay. Did you guys recast Balthazar? Which one was the, that? That was the Jesse Bradford character, the one that like uh, broke the news. found Romeo and broke the news that, yeah. that uh, uh, Juliet had died. I did not. did not. No. Uh, I went with Andrew Garfield in that role. Yes. That's a good call. I like that. Um, did you guys do The Nurse? Yes, yes. I did. Okay. Uh, I went with Missy Pyle. You oh. might remember Missy Pyle was in Big Fish. Uh, she was also in Dodgeball. Um, she's got a very uh, unique look to her. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, love her. I went with uh, Melissa McCarthy. Oh, bro. That's I almost so went with Melissa McCarthy. Uh, I, I, I did. So. <laughs> awesome. I do want to touch on that. I guess going back to what I thought this movie did wrong, I thought they played the nurse character way too cartoonish. Um, oh, I loved her. I thought she was fantastic. That scene yeah, with, uh, like the nurse. with yeah, her and Claire I, Danes, where Claire Danes is trying to, to hey, what, what did you find out about Romeo? What did you say? And she's yeah, like, oh, my back. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love that scene. I'm talking about like this, where you see like her silhouette in the window and she's screaming Juliet and like just shaking oh, her head. I'm like, uh, but excuse me, right. Joe, it's Juliet. 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 I love her. Um, did you guys do the Capulet uh, father and mothers? I did. I just did the father and the Montague father and mothers. Okay, yeah. I did. I did both the parents on both sides. Okay. Um, so my Gloria Capulet, I'll do both of them right now. Okay. Um, my father and mother Capulet would be played by Edward Norton and Rosamund Pike. Oh my God! Well, I, I, I did the same thing for Mother Capulet, Rosamund Pike. There, I think that's a great call. Yeah. But I went with Brian Cox for Father Capulet. Oh, that's great. 
All right. Well, for Father Capulet, I went with Steve Carell, and I didn't do Mother. Ooh, okay. All right. Let's let's from here. Let's cut over to the Montagues, Father yep. Montague and Mother Montague. Uh, my father Montague, played by Brad Pitt, and Mother Montague, played by Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh, I went with uh, Brian Cranston and Julianne Moore. Oh, okay. And I went with Jason Bateman for my father Montague. Jason Bateman. Okay. All right. Um, did you oh, guys well, do then, Benvolio? Then you could do uh, you could do Laura Linney as uh, the his oh, wife. From, I will uh, do that. Ozark. Did yeah. you do Benvolio, the meathead? I did, I did do Benvolio. Sure did. Uh, I went with Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I went with Mark yeah. Wahlberg since he's so dumb. I went with Chris Pratt. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. good. Yep. Uh, Captain Prince. Okay. I, oh, shit, uh, I didn't do it. I recast with Morgan Freeman. Mm. Nah, Morgan Freeman. All have been punished. All have been punished. I know. I went. I went with Jamie Fox for that role. Oh, I nice. did Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Okay. Mm. Black um, <laughs> The uh, Paul Rudd role. Dave Paris. Paris. Uh, yep. In my version, played by Army Hammer. Oh, that's great. Pretty boy. How about Neil Patrick Harris for me? Oh, did you know Neil Patrick Harris was originally asked to play Romeo in this movie? Oh, was he really? See, he what? Off? MPH is Romeo? Yeah, MPH was originally asked to play Romeo before this turned into a, a Leo DiCaprio joint. Mm, he could have well, done it. He could have. That would have been great. Yeah. Well, I went with our boy Jago Lev. For yes. That. Jago Lev. Wait, he's okay. not your Romeo? <laughs> no, no, he's not. Shame. <laughs> That's wrong. Uh, okay, who would be your your Tybalt, the John Leguizamo character? Uh, I went with uh, Diego Luna from uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Oh, all right. Okay. Uh, what about you, Jess? Well, staying in the Star Wars universe, I went with the Mandalorian's Pedro Pascal. Pascal, yes. that's pretty good. Uh, I went with Jared Leto as my Tybalt. Oh, huh. uh, how about Mercutio? Uh, yes, I sure did. I went with uh, Johnny Depp. Didn't you see him being kind of doing his uh, Captain Jack Sparrow effeminate? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. I went with Mahershala Ali in the Mercutio oh, role. Oh, I like that. Oh. Well, I went with Get Out's Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, oh, that's he's good, good too. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, our, our title characters, Romeo and Juliet, is that all you guys have left? Uh, well, I also see. have Father Lawrence. I don't know. Yeah, oh, the, you have Father Lawrence. The apothecary. Right. Come on. Yeah, I went with John Malkovich. Is that for that? <laughs> <man? laughs> uh, That's amazing. I, I went with uh, Elias Cotius, who was C.C. Oh. Uh, Jones in the Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, yes, he's, he's been in a bunch of stuff. But well, yeah, well, well then I, we uh, all went with bald actors because I did Richard Jenkins. <laughs> I always went with Richard Jenkins. My first, my first pass at this, I made it a comedy. And the Father Montague was like Will Ferrell, and Father Capulet was John C. Riley. <laughs> oh, um, nice. My oh, first man, pass. I put him in this. Yeah, I, I, I put him I, in everything. I, I thought about. <laughs> I thought about doing a uh, Saved by the Bell recast. I was going to have Zach as Romeo and uh, Kelly oh, Kapowski as Juliet. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm going to do them both together here. Okay. Uh, Romeo and Juliet in my version, played by Justin Timberlake and Rooney Mara. Ooh. Oh, wow. Good combo. For my combo, I went with Tom Holland and Emma Roberts. Oh, that's another good one. Uh, I'm going to go back to 500 Days of Summer and do Joe Golev and Zoe Deschanel. That's great. That's really good. 
if you didn't notice, my uh, my recasting had a theme. Mm. They were all people from David Fincher films because David Fincher would be directing my version. Whoa. And of course, oh. Reznor would be doing the soundtrack. Oh, I love that. Fantastic. I went with uh, Kenneth Branagh. He's so good at directing Shakespeare. I'd like to see him take a crack at this. I went with Guy Ritchie because honestly, oh. this was very sped up and crazy. So I was like, oh, he'd yeah. be able to. That's fucking yeah. perfect. Like, yes, like I, like I said earlier, like this was also this would also be something Danny Boyle would do well. Like yep. uh, somebody with those like with English or European sensibilities. Edgar Wright, uh, maybe. Edgar Wright would be great too. Mm. I almost did a Scott Pilgrim recast. Yeah. Oh my uh, god, that's perfect. Yeah. And then I realized I didn't have enough people. I know. So, Big cast. Oh god, that's what happened with my uh, Saved by the Bell. If you guys have any thoughts about Romeo and Juliet, things we didn't touch on, or if you have your own version of your recast, let us know about it. Go to facebook.com slash editing bay or on Facebook. Just type in the editing bay in the search bar. Find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. Click on that, and that's where you could uh, find us, talk to us, uh, and let us know uh, what you thought about the movie. And if you have ideas for movies for us to watch in the future, go ahead and put your suggestions there, and uh, we'll add it to the list. We've also got a website, right, Joel? We sure do. It's not the editing bay. It's not edit bay. It's editingbay.com. Please go there and bookmark it because uh, if you ever need to know anything about this here little podcast, you're going to find it on editingbay.com. We have links to, uh, well, links to subscribe to said podcast, which if you're hearing this, you already have, maybe. Uh, but we also have uh, links to the aforementioned uh, Facebook page as well as our Twitter handle, which is at the editing bay. Please follow us there. You'll always be the first to know what movies we're talking about in the weeks to come. All that and more on editingbay.com. Please leave us a rating and review on your podcasting app. A five-star rating would be fantastic. And then just, you know, in the review section, let us know what you like about the show. If there's things that you think we could do better, that's cool. Give us some uh, criticism. As long as it's five-star criticism, we're good. Because if you leave less than five stars, you know what? Mm. I bite my thumb at you, sir. <laughs> oh, you bite your thumb, sir. I bite my thumb, sir. <laughs> if I were to bite my thumb, would it be in my... I do bite my thumb, sir. Yes. Faster, <laughs> but more intense. What are we going to do next week? For a palate cleanser from that terrible Romeo and Juliet what? movie. You guys Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, classic stinker. You know, after that. You're so, un- so uncultured, Tess. <laughs> I, I am an uncultured swine. That's why I picked a movie that's, you know, very cultured and very hilarious. I'm talking about 2006's Grandma's Boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a long time coming, man. This is a long time. Me and Joe been waiting for this, Joel. We've been talking about it, man. I vaguely remember hearing about this movie, and uh, I remember immediately thinking, like, this is not for me. But uh, that was 2000. <laughs> that was 2006. Oh, but it is. Well, now man. that I know yeah, it, it's yeah. about a, a 35-year-old video game tester um, yeah. who has to move in with his grandmother. Like, uh, that's, that's up my alley, man. It's got Nick Swartzen. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> Nick Swartzen. My baby and Linda Cardellini. Joel Moore from, oh, yeah. uh, from the Dodgeball movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Tess, good job. Yeah. Joel, always a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.